Bond, James Bond. Hi, this is Robert Dobby, and you're listening to Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Stay tuned. Why is GoldenEye a standout Bond movie, and why was Pierce Brosnan the right Bond for the time? GoldenEye from 1995 is the 17th James Bond film in the series, featuring Pierce Brosnan in his debut as the iconic British secret agent James Bond, directed by Martin Campbell. The movie's plot centers around the theft of a powerful satellite system known as GoldenEye. All right, we're going to talk about why this is the standout movie that it is, and why was Pierce Brosnan the right Bond for this movie? This is Dan and Tom from SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Okay, opinions about which James Bond movie is the best can vary, of course, as different fans may have different preferences and criteria for evaluating the movies. Yeah, now GoldenEye in 1995 is often regarded as one of the best Bond films by many fans and critics. And probably from the people I've talked to, it's probably one of those 80% rule things that about 80% of the people that I know say that this was Pierce Brosnan's best Bond movie. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people do say that, and I think there's good reason for that. So we're going to go through some of the reasons why we think this is a standout Bond movie, certainly for Pierce Brosnan, and overall, a pretty good James Bond movie in general. All right, number one, I think you got the revitalization of the franchise because we waited six years for GoldenEye. If we yeah, we're going to have another one. We're going to have another one of those now. If there oh, is another one, it could go on forever now. All right, GoldenEye marked the return of James Bond, like I said, after the six-year hiatus. Yikes. It successfully updated the character and the narrative for the post-Cold War era, which was hard to do. This is always a challenge in a continuing movie franchise that spans decades, not just a few years. What do you do as an actor ages out of his role? GoldenEye successfully modernized the James Bond character, acknowledging the changing political landscape and incorporating contemporary themes. This adaptation allowed Bond to remain relevant and appealing to a new generation of moviegoers. Sherlock Holmes did it moving into the World War II era in movies with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. It was ripped out of their 1800s comfort zone. So can it be done? Yeah, it has been done and can be done again. And the James Bond franchise has to do it decade after decade. And they're back at it again now. But back then, we have to remember, finding a new James Bond was probably an easier problem for GoldenEye than EM Productions will have in this post-Craig era. <laughs> yeah. Brosnan was kind of the heir apparent. They had wanted him for the living daylights, but they couldn't get him because of his Remington Steel contract. Yeah. So yeah. I think his hiring here was a no-brainer, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think they had to work that hard for, for getting him on. <laughs> no. Now, if we, he wanted if we, it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And if we look at the other transitions from one actor to the new actor, from Connery, they really got two bites at the apple because he came back. Yeah. So they got George Lazenby and Roger Moore out of that. Yeah. And both, in my opinion, were hits. Yeah, I, now, I agree. I agree. I think so, too. Yeah, now Timothy Dalton was an interesting one because I thought he was fantastic because he, he, he went back to the roots of the way Fleming wrote Bond. Yep. But at the time, fans couldn't deal with this closer to the Fleming novel's portrayal of James Bond. And it's kind of funny because you came out of Roger Moore, which was a little bit more flippant Bond, yeah. to the very close to the novel, cold Bond character 
that Dalton gave us. Now going into Pierce, they wanted to lighten it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I do find it funny how many fans embraced Daniel Craig's portrayal of Bond, which was closer to the novels, like what Dalton did. Yeah. But you had Pierce in between. Yeah. All these things go into cycles. And I think Pierce was probably somewhere in between. Right. Yeah. He wasn't the totally serious guy. He wasn't the Roger Moore flipping kind of Bond. He was somewhere in between. So it was a nice bridge. And another reason why choosing Pierce Brosnan at that time was the right time for him to play Bond. And maybe better this time than it would have been had he come on earlier. No, I agree with you there. Yeah. What Remington Steel watcher really didn't see Brosnan as a James Bond in the in the waiting, really? I mean, really? you watched that show. You just thought, okay, this guy's pretty cool. This right? is the next James Bond. <laughs> yeah, he looked the part. He would modernize the suave Bond. And with the writing and direction, he acted the part, too. He was really, really solid in GoldenEye. He was the perfect actor to helm the role of James Bond then. I totally agree with you. Brosnan seemed to be a great choice to modernize Bond. Yeah. And in GoldenEye, he shows us why. Now, unfortunately, through his run, Purvis and Wade got involved with the writing, starting with <laughs> the world. It's not enough. I'm Purvis never giving up on slam. these two guys. I hate these guys. <laughs> I, I should say, I don't hate them. I don't know them. I hate their oh. writing. Okay. Okay. Right. That's different. But they gave us the world is not enough. And they also gave us the atrocities of die another day and no time to die. So Brosnan only had this one and tomorrow never dies where he was Purvis and Wadeless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. wow. So he had, he had better material to work with. I think. Uh, I don't think you're a Purvis and Wade fan. I, I'm not. I just, I'm not a fan at all of their writing. I, again, right. I, I have no animosity to them personally because I don't know them. Yeah. Right. But I do think bringing Martin Campbell in to direct this was a major part of this revitalization. I think yeah, he hit yeah, this thing. He, he hit this thing exactly right, and where it needed to be because of that six-year hiatus. Now it was interesting that he got this one, and then he also did Casino Royale, which gave us the introduction of Daniel Craig. Yeah. Before Craig went on to ruin the character, but never, nevertheless, <laughs> both of these are considered great Bond actor transition movies, and they really are very strong Bond movies. So Campbell's stamp on the series can't be underestimated. And for the James Bond world, it starts with GoldenEye. Yeah, he did a great job. I agree. All right, let's get back to Pierce Brosnan. This is his debut, of course. So let's look into Pierce Brosnan's debut as the new James Bond actor here in GoldenEye. His portrayal brought a charismatic and modern edge to the character, combining the suaveness of classic Bonds with a contemporary sensibility, which is not easy to do again. I, like I said, I think he was the bridge. He was somewhere in between the Moore and and Craig and, and Dalton kind of stuff. Yeah, I can't see those other actors pulling off, I have no problem with female authority. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pierce Brosnan's performance here in GoldenEye is widely regarded, I think, as one of the highlights of the film and is often praised by both fans and critics. Critics liked it too. His portrayal of this epic character was well-received for several reasons. Now, let's look at him as Bond. He's charismatic and suave. Brasson was a cool, suave dude, <laughs> and he made a great Bond. He was aligning with the plastic traits of the character with a new twist. His portrayal was a blend of the sophistication 
and action and the fitting image of the suave secret agent melding things from the past with a current take on the agent. And he's still and he's still going forward, I mean, not with Bond, but he's still giving that old suave. I'm, you know, I am Pierce Brosnan, I, I, even I today. A, yeah, I think he's the coolest ex Bond really out there. He he's a cool guy. <laughs> so now another thing, okay, you talk about his his suaveness, but his physical presence. That's I mean, true. he's got this presence with this built in with this athleticism. And he handles these action sequences with confidence when he does them. Yeah. So what, whether it's him doing the hand-to-hand combat stuff, driving the high-speed vehicles, or even using one of the gadgets, yeah. he appeared capable and convincing. And you know, I think Pierce really takes the fact that he's got this physical presence and ability to do some of the stunt work helps. Yeah, I, I think that's it. It's, it's mandatory to have a physical presence or Bond, and to find the right guy for that is hard. They got it in Pierce Brosnan in this one. And I, I think, we, like we said, he's he's this bridge kind of guy. He does do a good job of balancing humor and the seriousness of the missions that he's going to be on. In oh, I agree with that. Jason Goldeneye, right? So that's kind of cool. Brosnan was successful, much like Roger Moore, although Roger Moore was a little more on the non-serious side. He was successful in pulling off a presence that was tough, but had a sense of humor. And he did not go as far as Moore, for sure, with the humor or the lightheartedness of the character. But he was effective in this balance. Again, hard to do. So that yeah, was good. Absolutely. That balancing act was interesting because if you look at Sean, then you look at George, then you look at Roger, the character lightened up, lightened up, lightened up. And then all of a sudden you had Dalton who said, stop the light yeah. and let's go, let's go back to the roots. Let's go dark. Yeah. They're, the Brosnan <laughs> character, they're, tr- they're really trying to straddle an interesting fence there. Yeah. And, and he, he definitely pulls it off. He did. He did. And he had a great on-screen chemistry with his co-stars. I mean, there was never a doubt in your mind when you're looking at him on the screen that he was hiccuping or just not doing a good job of interacting with the co-stars. It was a very nice blend where you believed it. You believed he was Bond. So that kind of chemistry, again, is hard to pull off. And his chemistry, for instance, with Sean Bean was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Well, you've got two fantastic actors. There yeah, too. Alex Trevelyan. <laughs> yeah. Sean Bean is Alex Trevelyan. Sean Bean, I love, I love Sean Bean and everything he's done. I've seen, you know, National Treasure. He was fantastic. Here he's fantastic. Of course, now you got Isabella Skorupko as Natalia, and you got Famke Jensen as Zanya on the top, which helps the audience, again, believe in the storyline and the characters. Believability is key in any of these James Bond movies. You got to believe that the mission is legitimate. You got to believe the character is legitimate. You got to believe the surrounding characters are legitimate. And again, the chemistry he had with the co-stars was just fantastic. Okay. So believability is a key and believability in the story is key here and how the actor, in this case, Pierce Brosnan can pull off how the story changes because Goldeneye marks the shift in the bond timeframe where this more modern Bond has to appeal to modern audiences, many of them who didn't relate to the whole Cold War era stuff that we got earlier. Yeah, this is post-Cold War. I think the first Bond movie, post-Cold War, really. Yeah, and because Brosnan 
gave Bond relevance to the present-day audience without losing the old audience. Or maybe I should call it the original audience. I shouldn't call us old. <laughs> Traditional audience. Traditional audience. There you go. And also, I think he added, you know, we saw some emotional depth in Bond occasionally. We saw a little bit with Sean Connery. We saw certainly with George Lazenby with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. But here, you get a little different kind of emotional depth than we saw in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Brosnan's relationship with Alex Trevelyan, again, Sean Bean, was complicated and deep from allies to sworn enemies. For England, James? No, for me. <laughs> when he says that whew, and launches him down the, the radio satellite dish, man, that just sums it all up, right? Boom, no, for me. That's the kind of different kind of emotional depth that we didn't really see before. Sometimes you, you see Bond in pretty mean kills, like we saw in Dr. No when Bond kills Professor Dent. I mean, yeah, you see some of those tough, tough kills like this, but here... I mean, it's physical. He's got him. He lets him go. Bam. That's a different kind of emotional depth, I think, that we're seeing here, which is, again, solid. Well, and, and the, cool, the cool thing about that and why it, why it was so well done was because Trevelyan was his friend. Yeah, yeah. Right? They were MI6. Thing. I mean, it From wasn't. Allies, the enemies. Yeah if, you, yeah, if you if you look at the other Bond villains, it wasn't somebody who turned on him. Right. So this was. You know, this was really cool because it led to that emotional depth. And he had somebody who needed to be able to pull it off as an actor, and Brosnan did that. Yeah, he did. I mean, when when you look at Brosnan in general, I mean, you look back to his performance in The Fourth Protocol, where he was a Russian agent. I mean, that was really a screen test for his Bond character coming up. He was terrific in that movie, The Fourth Protocol. And it it really prepared him to be a worthy successor for Bond. And we see it here in GoldenEye. Fantastic, really. Okay, so anything else about Brosnan? Because let's talk about the action and the storytelling in this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be our, our third big point. It is because of this successful blend of action and storytelling, which is, again, another difficult thing to do. And what movies struggle with, especially spy movies, struggle with and have struggled with for decades, right? You're going to be an action-adventure movie, or you're going to be a spy and espionage movie, or you're going to try to blend everything together. And you look at From Russia With Love, that was an espionage movie. Great, terrific. Now you look at Mission Impossible stuff that's coming out. Those are action-adventure movies with a spy theme. <laughs> so here... A you've spy got story this... thrown in for good measure. <laughs> yeah. So here you got in GoldenEye a nice blend of action and storytelling. And it's really, again, hard to do. It's well-crafted. It's an engaging storyline involving the theft of the GoldenEye satellite system and the betrayal of the former MI6 agent. The plot explores themes of betrayal, of loyalty, the consequences of the Cold War, and, and all at once, doing all of this in the same movie and adding depth to this character and to the narrative of the character. It's really good and it's a believable plot which i like some of the bond movies which we'll talk about in another episode <laughs> i'm not thrilled with the storyline <laughs> you don't like the plot in some of them wow shocking positively shocking <laughs> yeah all right 
Meld and I struck this balance between thrilling action sequences and a compelling narrative, and it featured intense and well-choreographed action scenes, along with a plot that involved political intrigue and espionage. So they did a great job. Yeah, now again, Purvis and Wade weren't here to screw it up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just from the very beginning, right? It opens up with the bungee jump <laughs> off the dam, and it includes the intense tank chase through the streets of St. Petersburg, I mean, the action in this movie really complements the story rather well, than overshadowing it. And that, it does. And the nice good. thing about it is some of these places that they did some of this action, you can see in real life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I've not been to the dam. I, it's on my list, but I haven't been there. Right. But I have been to St. Petersburg, and I've seen the canals that they used. I've seen that post office, which is... The building when the tank goes under and the horse falls off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the post office. So that stuff does exist. Now, Brosnan wasn't there, right? So that was not him really doing it. All the stuff with Brosnan was back in the studio. But the canals are there, and the sets that they built did look like the real thing. Yeah, yeah. It was great. All right, so we've got these. We've got the storytelling. We've got the story here, the use of the locations. And as I mentioned... When we talked about Alec Trevelyan, Goldeneye introduces us to some very well-developed villains. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we, we've got Trevelyan, we've got Onatop, and they're probably two of the better James Bond villains in the franchise. Yeah. I mean, if we look at, I mean, if we look at Trevelyan, his personal vendetta against MI6 adds an, an emotional weight to the story. And Onatop's ruthlessness, yeah. <laughs> crazy ruthlessness, creates a formidable antagonist. They make this plot unfold. They really do. And uh, I mean, this is our fourth point here that we're talking about. But it, look at Alec Trevelyan, his, again, Sean Bean, his backstory and connection to Bond added, like you said, the depth to the character and to the dynamics of the story. I mean, that that was fantastic. And also known as 006, uh, of course, Trevelyan, he's a former MI6 agent and James Bond's friend at the beginning of the movie. The pre-title sequence shows the, his death during a mission in the Soviet Union. However, we don't know that his death was faked until later in the movie, and Trevelyan becomes the mastermind behind the theft of the GoldenEye satellite system. His motivation stems from a personal vendetta, like you were saying, against MI6, seeking revenge for what he perceives as betrayal and plans to use the satellite to disrupt global financial markets. That is a good story. And and again, since they were friends, the interaction between Bond and Trevelyan at the start of the movie is very different than it is at the end. Yes. But that familiarity with much. both parts of the movie make Alec a great villain for Bond to play off of. Yes. Now, that said, Sean Bean's in it. And almost 25% of the movies or series that he's been in, he's died. So... <laughs> Somebody somebody watching now may say, oh, he's in it. I bet he dies. The dude just knows how to do a death scene, and he does it very well. And in this case, you don't mind his death because he's the <laughs> villain. He's the bad guy, yeah. unlike in Game of Thrones, Yeah, where yeah, that was kind of a shocker. Think, yeah, head, no, for me. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Bye, Alec. Okay, so and that's look at Alec. Zinnia. Okay. Look at Zinnia on the top. I mean, man. Zenyanatop is a former Soviet fighter pilot turned assassin and a member of Trevelyan's criminal organization. She 
does a great job, Bonka Jensen. I mean, she's known for her sadistic tendencies and a distinctive method of killing, which involves crushing her victims between her thighs. <laughs> On the top is involved in the theft of the Golden Eye satellite system, of course. So, hey, that's, that's a unique character for a villain, right? Crushing and I, I love this character. It is just fun to watch her. She seems to have fun with it. I mean, she's she's nasty, but she seems like she's enjoying it. Yeah, she's and, nasty. And there are times she can be very cross, but other times playful and starts laughing. I mean, she's a great counter type playing opposite Trevelyan, who seems a little more buttoned up. Yeah. And Plus, crushing the victims between her thighs. Yeah, just, and, and really, is. she does it so well, it's, again, totally believable. You look at her and you think, yeah, I believe that. And she was getting pleasure out of it. No question that she was getting pleasure out of it. Yeah. All right. What about General Ormoff? He was another good one. Played by Gottfried John. Now, he's a high-ranking Russian military officer, and he plays a significant role in the theft of the GoldenEye satellite. Yeah. Initially, he appears to be a loyal ally to Bond, but later he reveals himself to be in league with Alec. Remember, he shoots Alec in front of Bond. Yeah. But then when they go chasing Bond, he tells his guys to stand down and not shoot him. Yeah. So his actions contribute to the unfolding of the film's central conflict because you're faked out by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the villains, again, this is the, the category we're talking about here. It's, it's terrific. And then you got Boris Krushenko. Helen <laughs> <laughs> Cumming, come on. That guy was fantastic, right? <laughs> Always is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's the, the final villain here we're going to talk about. His role is comical, which we know, you know, Cummings can do. Anyone who saw Spy Kids or Eyes Wide Shut, they know what Cummings can do. And he can be funny. He was terrific in this movie. Yeah. Now, Dan, I told you how I liked Anatop. My favorite character in the movie, however, is Grishinko. Oh, wow. Right. Because okay. in a big part because of Alan Cumming. I mean, I just love that guy. But Boris, for me, is a big win for the movie. Now, you know, I've known a lot of computer developers in my day. And some of them do have oversized egos like Boris does here. I'm not sure I've seen anybody quite go as far as he does. I mean, because it really is over the top when he's doing his I am invincible. Yeah, that's a great that's a great moment. I don't remember ever seeing that when people are developing code before. And it's a line that Boris says multiple times, and it tells us a lot about who he is. Yeah. Now, as an aside, and I'm going to say I'm biased here, I pretty much love everything Alan Cumming does professionally. Yeah. And his portrayal of Boris here is no exception. Boris, in my opinion, ties everything together. Wow. He's, okay. he's kind of the glue to the story because none of that stuff can happen if you don't have the computer geek doing this stuff. Right. And I've seen coming play the MC in Cabaret. I've seen him perform at an outdoor music venue. And also his amazing performance of a one-actor version of Shakespeare's The Scottish Play. I mean, he's an amazing actor. The fact that he was, that he was so fantastic as Boris was absolutely no surprise. All right, that's the villains. Our number five point is, hey, we got a strong supporting cast here. In addition to these villains, Goldeneye gives us this cast. That's terrific. We get the first James Bond movie with Dame Judi Dench as M. 
really good stuff there. She is stern and lets Bond and us know that this is her ship to run and she will run it her way. Bourbon instead of cognac. And I think you are a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) She sets the table early for letting us know how she will run things. Love. I love Judy Dench's M. Yeah, she is fantastic at it. One of my favorites. And three other strong supporting characters are Natalia Semenova, played by Isabella Skorupko, Valentin Zukovsky, played by Robbie Coltrane, and Jack Wade, played by Joe Don Baker. This time, Baker gets to play a good guy. You remember Baker played the bad guy, Brad Whitaker, in The Living Daylights. Now, Dan, you met, you forgot somebody. Who? You can't forget Minnie Driver's hideous performance of Stand By Your Man. It was a really small part, but I just it just really, really funny. Yeah. Plus, that as I good. said, Purvis and Wade hadn't stuck their mitts in yet to destroying the series. So the supporting oh, cast has a chance to shine. Not More die. Purvis and Wade Venom. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. I might be a little more vociferous on that as time goes by, but every time I watch one of their movies, I'm just like, oh, God. (laughs) So let's talk about something positive. Yeah. Let's talk about the theme song and the music in general. All right. Our point number six. Yeah. So the the, the movie's theme is performed by Tina Turner. Yeah. Who we just lost. And it's often praised and considered one of the iconic Bond theme songs. It sets the tone for this movie and contributes to its overall appeal. Yeah. Now, the song was written by Bono and The Edge, the name for David Howell Evans, of YouTube fame. So with them and Tina Turner, you have three members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame involved with this theme song. It's it's no wonder that it was fantastic. Or you think about Live and Let Die. You've got uh, um, Paul McCartney, fantastic song. Yeah. Fantastic song. Yeah, fantastic song. And I also think that composer Eric Serra's score and the music throughout GoldenEye work very well for the movie. Yeah, you know, these are all good points. And I I think let's get to the next point, which is, again, the blending part. All right, there's a successful blend of of elements here, like we're talking about. GoldenEye strikes this balance between the classic elements that define the Bond franchise, such as espionage, gadgets, and romance, and a more modern and sophisticated approach to storytelling and, importantly, character development. Good stuff. All right, and the last one we want to talk about is, hey, box office success. Every movie is made for one reason, to make money. GoldenEye was a commercial success, performing well at the box office, over $356 million. Its success helped solidify Brosnan's position as James Bond, and it paved the way for future installments in the series. After six years between Bond movies, this was a welcomed performance at the box office. Remember, License to Kill, released in 1989, only grossed about $156 million. So, Yeah, now we did have a lot of inflation in the 80s, but not double. <laughs> not double, no, no. Early 70s maybe double. Right. These factors, among others, contribute to the positive reception of GoldenEye as a James Bond movie and a successful installment in the broader spy genre. So now let's look at some of the firsts for the Bond franchise that GoldenEye gave us. And we'll do this quickly. Yeah, we've, t- we've talked about some of these, but let's kind of identify them as firsts yeah. here. Yeah, some franchise firsts. GoldenEye had 
several unique and interesting facts associated with its production and impact on the James Bond franchise. So here are a few that we'd like to highlight. Of course, it's Pierce Brosnan's debut. I don't think we need to say anything else about that. Perfect. Yeah, right. and I think the second thing we mentioned earlier, too, was that this was the first post-Cold War-themed Bond movie. Yeah. So the, the storyline's giving us the changing geopolitical landscape and dealing with that. And it addresses the fall of the Soviet Union and the consequences of that shift. Yeah. Uh, and another one is the first appearance of Judy Dench. We mentioned that, hey, Goldeneye introduced Judy Dench as M, making her the first female to take on the role in the movies. All right. And I love Judy Dench as M. She brought a new dynamic to the character and set the stage for her continued presence in subsequent Bond movies. Yeah. And then now, I, now I think another first here, and I might be stretching it a little bit, is the title inspiration. Because the titles all along have been more about the books or lines from the movies. But the title Goldeneye was inspired by the name of author Ian Fleming's estate in Jamaica. Yeah. I mean, this is where he wrote the James Bond novels. Yeah. So the title was chosen to honor Fleming's legacy. I think a really nice nod to Fleming. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then the tank chase sequence. I mean, the film features an iconic tank chase sequence through the streets of St. Petersburg. As we mentioned, this action scene is notable for its intensity and humor with Bond commandeering a tank to pursue the villains. I think that's the first time Bond commandeered a tank to pursue villains. That's a first. I love when Bre- when he, Brosnan as Bond, straightens his tie while driving the tank, <laughs> which is just kind of cool. Like, well, he's going to bother to do that. Yeah, but he did the same kind of thing in The World Is Not Enough when he's driving the Q-boat. After he comes up from other, uh, underwater with it, he straightens his tie out. He's like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, well, that's kind of like when Bond shoots his cuffs, right? This is yeah. this is Brosnan's yeah, yeah, yeah. answer to that, straightening the tie. Craig did that well. Yes, he did. All right, All right. so then w- let's get to the audition for On a Top. So Famke <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> you mean Famke Jensen. Yeah, exactly. She impressed the filmmakers with her audition. She reportedly demonstrated her ability to convincingly simulate crushing a man <laughs> between her thighs. That would have been an interesting audition. (laughs) It's a skill that became a memorable part of her character. And when you think of Anatop, you think of her crushing guys to death Uh, with her thighs. Which she loved. (laughs) And was good at, for crying out loud. She has strong thighs. All right. And then we got the Tina Turner song. We talked about that. Fantastic. It's the song we mentioned before. It was a critical and commercial success, earning a Grammy nomination for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Paul McCartney's performance of Live and Let Die was the first Bond theme song to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. So here you got it, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. And this last first, I think is important. Oh, last first, I like Was that. really important. <laughs> the last first on our list, I think was really important to the success of the movie and the ongoing success of the movie. And that is the video game adaptation. Yeah. When we talk to Bond fans, a lot of them talk about this video yeah. game, right? Because this movie led to the creation of GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. Yeah. So it was released in 1997 and it's considered one of the greatest, most influential first person shooters of its time. I mean, this video game made about $250 million worldwide. Not really that far off of the movie. Yeah, you think they'd be doing that for every movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because we say it's the first, but 
They need to be doing yeah. more often. All right. These unique facts contribute to the significance of GoldenEye in the James Bond franchise and its impact on popular culture. GoldenEye was a success for Ian Productions and for Pierce Brosnan. Where it ranks among Bond movies is up to the individual. As we saw with our episode on Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the feedback and comments about the movie quality and ranking and George Lazenby's performance were all over the map. From top five Bond movie to the worst ever. So hit us up on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Navigator, and let us know what your thoughts are on GoldenEye. All right, that's a wrap. This has been Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Do us all a favor and subscribe to our show through your favorite podcast app and on our YouTube channel as well. Thanks for listening. Tom and I appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks. 